Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Rookie is a free serialized audiobook meant for mature audiences. Written and performed by number one New York Times bestselling novelist, Scott Sigler. For links to order a young adult version of this book without all the cussing, in print, ebook, or audiobook, visit scottsigler.com slash the rookie one word. This podcast contains mature situations, adult language, and lots and lots of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Happy junkies! Here we are with episode number two of The Rookie, the adult version. Remember, this version is not for tiny ears. The big news from the world of writing, at least my world of writing, I finished the first draft of Shakedown the Crypt, book one. It came in at 117,500 words, which is about 470 paperback pages. Girthy. Now it goes to the continuity editors and to the editor at Athon Books, whom I have not yet met. They have a battery of editors that they work with, so I've got to wait and see who who I wind up working with, and hopefully that will go well. There is still a ton of work to be done on this book, at least two more drafts, but I'm pretty happy with the way that it ends. The characters need work. The characters always need work, ladies and gentlemen, always, always. Things really took off at the end of this writing project. I worked through Memorial Day weekend, managed to write 97 pages in a six-day period. That's crazy. That's like 16 pages a day. It's bonkers. But sometimes it gets like that in a first draft sprint. I write to an outline, and as I go, things break. I re-outline. As I go, things break. I re-outline. But by the time you get to, say, 15 to 10% left in the book, uh, there's no re-outlining to do because everything is led up to that segment, and you've retouched that segment in the outline several times. So you can just you can just go nits sprint all the way through. And I did that and I got done today. So today is a good day for me. And soon I hope it will be a good day for you when we get this puppy to market. Let me get you caught up on the story. Then we're all gonna take a nice vacation on Rieger 3. Previously on The Rookie. Quentin Barnes showed his prowess on the field, but that prowess doesn't translate to his interactions with his teammates. Is he locker room poison? As an upper tier team finally comes knocking, he is faced with the biggest decision of his life. Chapter 2. Quentin. Quentin Barnes raised his face near the shower's hot, steaming water. It trickled down his body to join the water cascading off the other players before it all slid down the drain. Streaks of brown and green and red diffused in the water rolling off the other players. Brown mud, green grass stains, red blood. Quentin's water, of course, 
carried nothing more than white soap. He'd barely even been touched. Tackled twice, no sacks. The only thing he had to wipe off was his own sweat. Tattoos covered the arms and chest of his teammates, many designs denoting various church rankings or religious accomplishments. Many were fully confirmed, with the curving infinity symbol tattooed on their foreheads. Church participation was expected of PNFL players. After all, their talents came courtesy of the high one. And weren't those men who dominated purist nation pop culture along with soccer players an example to all purists? And as examples, the government strongly encouraged players to be vocal proponents of the faith. There were even well-known incidents of players, good players, being blackballed from the league for not participating in the church. Quentin had tats as well, one on either side of his sternum. The one on the right, in neat block letters, simply said, fuck. The matching tat on his left said, you. Ceiling vents greedily sucked up most of the steam, but 20 simultaneous showers still produced a light fog. Quentin walked through the haze as he left the shower, passing by his teammates, every last one of whom threw him a smile and a compliment. Way to do it, Quentin. The high one blessed you today, Quentin. A nice work, boss. They knew who they played, right, Quentin? He smiled back at everyone, answered most of the comments with a simple nod of the head. His teammates were civil enough in the locker room and on the field, but they weren't his friends. They knew it, and they made sure he knew it. Most of the players came from privileged families, church families. Only church families sent their kids to school, and only in school could you play organized football. For the lower classes, time in class or on the field was time away from the mines. They learned the basics, reading, writing, math, religion, and how to kill the satanic races. By seven or eight years old, lower class kids had all the knowledge they would ever need, or so the logic went. Quentin never forgot how lucky he was that Stedmar happened to drive by that one day four long years ago. Every year, a few poor players found a way into the PNFL, and they embraced the church wholeheartedly. Some believed, some didn't. But for all, the church was their only chance to achieve some kind of station in life. Every government job, the majority of private sector jobs, anything that involved money, you had to be confirmed, or at least well on your way. On McCovey, football was a ticket out of a hard life of grinding manual labor and a lifespan of 40 years, 50 if you were lucky. But Quentin Barnes refused to embrace the church. In fact, as far as he was concerned, the church could kiss his ass. His left tackle, Maynard Ackman, walked by, flashing Quentin a big smile. Great game, Q. We're going all the way. Quentin smiled and sat. Ahmad stopped in front of Pete Okoyamat's locker. He leaned in and said something to the big linebacker, which made Pete throw his head back with laughter. He waved over Adrian Yellow, the kicker, and repeated Ahmad's comment. Adrian laughed as well, reaching up to slap Pete on the shoulder. The men were happy. They were going to the title game. They were happy, and they were sharing it together. 
Quentin looked around the locker room. Everywhere, teammates sat or stood in groups, yelling, laughing, and celebrating. There were always groups, and those groups never included him. Word might get back to the elders that men regularly associated with someone from a known family of criminals. He felt a pang of loneliness, then chased the thought away. Fuck them all. He didn't need them. He didn't need anyone. He turned back to face his locker and thought about Ahmad's words. We're going all the way. All the way to what? To the purest nation football league championship? Next week, the Raiders faced off against the Sigurd City Norsemen, the champs of the homeworld division. They'd kill the Norsemen, then stand alone atop the 12-team PNFL. The purest nation football league championship. Big deal. Champions of a Tier 3 league, and an all-human Tier 3 team at that. It was about as far away from the big time as you could get. But the road to galactic exposure had to start somewhere. The Tier 2 teams couldn't ignore stats like his 3-touchdown, 24-for-30, 310-yard passing performance against the Corsairs, with another 82 on the ground, including a sweet 52-yard TD run. Thank you very much. He was the best player in the PNFL, bar none, and possibly the best Tier 3 player in the entire galaxy. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. He toweled off, rubbing dry his chest, then his face and hair. When he removed the towel, he saw the big tight end Pookie Jamison Jr. walking towards him. Quentin stood there, naked and fearless, calmly smiling and staring straight up into Pookie's flaring eyes. I was open all day and you know it. 
Well, the guy throwing the ball might disagree with you, big fella. Pookie's eyes narrowed with rage. That was the semi-finals. Everyone in the nation was watching that game, and I didn't catch a single pass. Quentin shrugged, then sat on the bench in front of his locker and started dressing. This is because I argued with you in practice, isn't it? I dared to contradict you in front of everyone else, and you had to punish me. Quentin didn't bother to look up as he answered. It's my show, Pooks, and you know this. It's not like this is new information. Quentin felt Pookie's stare. Pookie wanted to hit him, wanted it bad, but everyone knew that Quentin could kick the shit out of just about anyone on the team. You think you're so high and mighty. Someday you won't be playing football. Then you'll go back to being the little orphan piece of shit that you were before Stedmar found you. A hush fell over the locker room. On some planets, calling someone a motherfucker was a major insult. On McCovey, in the nation, that major insult was orphan. Even if it wasn't true, it wasn't something you tossed about casually. Quentin turned and looked into Pookie's eyes. I'm getting the impression you don't want to catch any passes in the championship game either. Pookie's nostrils flared. His expression a combination of anger and anxiety. Sure, Pookie hated him, but he also wanted his share of the limelight. Any hero of the PNFL championship game was guaranteed to move high up in the church. Is that right, Pookie? You don't want to see the football next week? Pookie swallowed hard. Of course I do. Quentin nodded. Okay, then apologize. The big tight end's face screwed into a furious mask. Apologize? You fucking underclass piece of... Quentin turned away, facing back into his locker. The move stopped Pookie in mid-sentence. He looked around the locker room, looking for support, but found none. No one was going to back him up. Not now. Not with the championship only one week away. Quentin started to whistle as he put on his socks. Pookie's fist clenched and unclenched. I'm... I'm sorry. Quentin cupped his hand to his ear and looked up from the corner of his eye. What? Sorry, Pooks, I, I couldn't hear you. I said I'm sorry. Quentin smiled graciously. No problem, Pooks. Apology accepted. Pookie turned and stormed away, his face red from rage and humiliation. The teammates looked at Quentin for a few more seconds, then turned back to their various groups and quietly resumed their conversations. They hated the fact that he held so much power. Most of them treated underclass people like slaves all day long. But on the field, in the locker room, they couldn't do that to Quentin Barnes. If they hated him because he wasn't like them, he made sure they at least respected his role as the team leader. Quentin reached into the bottom of his locker and pulled out a can of Shakas beer. He twisted the top, smiling in anticipation as the can instantly frosted up. He flipped the lid and took a long drink. It was the best beer Purist Nation had to offer, which wasn't saying much. He'd had a can of Miller Lager once when playing at Buddha City Stadium. Now that was real beer. You could get almost anything you wanted in Buddha City. Beer, contraband, music, women. He'd even heard that some of his holier-than-thou teammates had slept with blue-skinned women from Baker 6. Talk about a sin. It didn't get much worse than that, 
unless you debased yourself by sleeping with one of the satanic species. Quentin had ignored sinful behavior, with the notable exception of beer. Alcohol, of course, was basically forbidden in public places. Other players would have been severely punished for drinking in the locker room, but Stedmar had taught him that when you had something other people wanted, something they needed, the rules don't necessarily apply to you. Theron Akbar, the team manager, walked up to Quentin, a big smile on his little face. His smile faded when he saw the beer. That's a sin, Quentin. It's also tasty. Quentin chugged the remainder. He liked Akbar, who oddly enough was the only member of the organization with the balls to say something right to Quentin's face. Coach wants to see you, Quentin, right away. Quentin set down the now-empty beer and continued toweling off. What's up with Coach? Rumor is that you've been bought. The toweling stopped. Stedmar had some off-worlder in the luxury box. Right after the game, he talked to the coach, and now the coach wants to see you. You do the math. And the high one really blessed you tonight. Great game. Akbar walked away. Quentin practically dove into his clothes. This was it. He was finally escaping the fucking rock he'd called home his entire life. The universe awaited him. Fully dressed, Quentin stepped through the open door into his coach's office. You wanted to see me, coach? Coach Ezekiel Graber sat behind his desk. He wore a skullcap in Raider colors, black with a silver R. The Raider logo wasn't much to look at, just a plain block letter, the same style and font used for all the PNFL teams. Graber wore a sweatshirt, a piece of clothing that had endured for centuries as fashion and style fluctuated across a dozen human planets. Come on in, Barnes. Sit down. He was smiling, but he didn't look happy. You've got a decision to make. The infinity symbol tattooed on Graber's forehead had faded in 20 or so years since his confirmation at the age of 30. What had once been a detailed, deep black was now a faded, slightly fuzzy gray. Barnes, you've had one hell of a season. Thanks, coach. Best I ever coached, I'll tell you that. I won my witness. Coach Graber paused. Quentin nodded once, smiled. Then the coach continued. Quentin, there comes a time in every young man's life when he has to decide his path. Your time is now. Stedmar sold your contract. Quentin's stomach dropped to nothingness, replaced by a tingly swarm of butterflies. This was it. He was going. Who was it? The Ionath Krakens. Quentin frowned. The Krakens, a Tier 2 team. He'd hoped for a Tier 1 franchise, like the up-and-coming Alamo Armada, or even his boyhood dream of playing for the Toe Pirates. The Krakens? You sure? Coach Graber nodded. I got the contract right here. He handed Quentin a message board. Quentin looked at the readout. It was a done deal, all right. All Quentin had to do was put his thumbprint on it to make it official. The Ionath Krakens. If that was his ticket out of the purest nation, that was good enough for him. And it was a team based in the Quith system, where millions of nationalites had fled during Butcher Smith's cleansings. He'd often prayed his parents weren't dead, but had actually fled to the Quith system 
and couldn't return or contact him in any way. Maybe now he'd find out. Tier 2 teams still enjoyed galactic broadcast coverage. Even if his parents weren't in the Quith system, there was a chance they'd see him play, see him, and know who he was. Now, Quentin, you know full well that's going to take you out of the system. You've still got the option of religious refusal. Yeah, yeah, I have that option. There's a lot of people in the purest nation, including me, my son, who hope that you stay in system until your 30th birthday so you can be confirmed. A person with your fame could go far in the church. You could be a bishop or even a mullah if you applied yourself. Quentin nodded, only half listening. He loved it when people used the words, my son. Someday, someone would use those words and it would mean something, something real. Because right now, it meant jack shit. He could take religious refusal, which would negate the contract. If he did that, it meant another Tier 2 team or Tier 1 team could pick him up, but only after the next PNFL season. League rules specified his contract could only be sold once per season, and if he refused that contract, that meant another year with the Raiders. Another year of Tier 3 ball. Another year of dirt and mud and the never-ending drone of the atmosphere processors. I've always wanted to play upper tier ball, coach. To tell you the truth, I can't wait to get out of here. Then stop ignoring your religious calling. Get confirmed. Then see the galaxy as a missionary, spreading the faith. Quentin hated the church with all his soul. He loved the high one, believed deeply in the high one. But he knew in his heart that the church was rife with flaws, half-truths, and outright lies, all designed to keep certain families in power and keep the majority of the population from questioning their lowly place in the purest nation. He would always believe, but would never preach the gospel of Stuart. I'm no missionary, coach. You know this. Someday you'll feel the calling, but you have to be careful about going out system before your soul is prepared. Satan lives out there. We can see him every day on the news. He takes the shape of the Wittok, the Key, the Sklorno, the Quith, and disguises himself in human form in the Planetary Union, the League of Planets, the Tower Rip. Yeah, yeah, coach, I got it. I've heard this speech before. In fact, I've heard it all my life, a few too many times from a few too many people. Coach Graber's eyes narrowed. It's a speech you need to listen to, son, not just hear. I'm not your son, and I'm not part of your church. Do you dare blaspheme against the High One? I believe in the teachings of the High One. I just don't believe in the church. There's a big difference. The best football players are aliens, and I want to play against the best. Satan takes many forms, Quentin. Are you going to consort with crickets and salamanders and Satan's other minions? I'm not going to consort with anyone, coach. I don't have to associate with them, just win ball games with them. If Satan himself can run a post pattern, I'll hit him in stride for six. <laughs> well, that's blasphemous. And besides, you're not ready to play tier two. You couldn't handle the speed. Fuck that. I'm going to rip tier two a new asshole. Quentin, I think you just need another season or two to prepare yourself. You've only been playing the game for four years, my son. Imagine how much you could learn with just one more season. One second I shouldn't go because it's sacrilegious. The next, I shouldn't go because I'm not good enough yet. 
maybe you just want me to stick around and win you a couple more PNFL championships. Is that it? Graber leaned back, eyes wide with hurt. Quentin, you can't think that I have anything but your best interest at heart. I don't want Satan to swallow your soul, boy, and that's what will happen if you go out system and mingle with the sub-races. I'm not a boy. You are until you're 30. You know the scriptures. Quentin stood up. You can toss your scriptures into the void. No one here gave a damn about me before I threw a football. You all talk of the glory of the purest nation and the purity of humans, but all I see is a galaxy ruled by off-worlders. If the purest nation is so great, if we're the chosen ones, then why are we ruled by the bats? I'll win the PNFL championship for you next week, but then I'm out of here. You're not ready. Is that right, coach? Quentin held the message board inches from Graber's face, then slowly brought his left thumb towards the imprint spot. He stared into Graber's angry eyes as his thumb punched home his destiny. The board let out a small, confirming beep. I'll be here for practice this week, and I'll win your stupid championship for you. And as soon as that game is over, you can kiss my ass goodbye. Coach Graber's shoulders sagged. Your decision is made. May the high one have mercy on your soul. <laughs> my soul? Coach, without me, you'd better be worried if the high one will have mercy on the Raiders. Quentin walked out of the office, slamming the door shut behind him. You have been listening to The Rookie, book one of the Galactic Football League series. Produced by Ariok Morningstar with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. For more information on the author and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon, superweaponband.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.